Right. Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that you're a real God, that you're a living God, that you're an in-charge God, that you're a sorted God, that you know where you're going with us, you know what to do with us. And when we come up against a wall, when we come up against a, a fork in the road, when we come to the end of our tether, to the end of our road, it's just the beginning for you. And it's your grace. It's your grace that covers us. It's your grace that takes us forward. It's your grace that extends mercy to us on a daily basis. And Lord, we know we need it. So today we're gathered from all sorts of walks of life, all manners of background. Many of us don't know each other, but we're here because we want to know you. And our common ground between each other is that we know you. So Father God, let Covenant Life be a church, a fellowship, a family, a place where Jesus is all in all. Everything we need, everything we are. To love Jesus and love like Jesus. Make us a congregation that loves you, O God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we are in the middle of a series on grace. I'm doing a word study on the word grace. <clears throat> After this series, I'm going to go into to talk about peace. After that, I'm going to talk about love, focusing more on agape love, the different types of love, but agape love. Peace, I want to talk about how God gives us peace in terms of leading us, how peace is the barometer, how peace is the, is, is the, is the, the sign, it's the compass by which you know you're on the right track, answering the question is, am I in God's will, etc., etc. So right now we're talking about <coughs> the word grace. The word grace in, in its original in Aramaic, and then of course in, in Hebrew, uh, in Greek is called karis or kari. And gifts of is called mata. So karis mata is gifts of grace. And that's where we use the word charismatic to, call, to talk about those who, those who stress on gifts of grace or especially special, sign gifts. We'll talk about that in my next uh, uh, sermon on gifts of grace. But the word charis, the word grace, is what we're studying. Last week, we talked about um, saving grace and how God's grace saves us and how God's grace covers us. Our theme verse is John chapter 1, verse 16. Is that on the screen? John chapter 1, verse 16. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Would you be so kind as to read this with me loudly in English? For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Let's do that again. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Heavy words, from fullness, all received grace. So as you meditate, you take each word and you think through that. And you don't stop until you've understood the depth and the gravity of every word. Why this series? Why are we talking about grace. Well, I want you to know the benefits of living in the grace of God. I want you to know what it's like to live under grace because grace is a covering. And when you live under that chhatri, you live under that umbrella, you live under that covering, you are sustained, you are protected, you are shielded from a whole host of things. And when you live under grace, you feel protected and you feel uh, safer. And 
it goes for every area of your life, but especially in the area of the sense of self-condemnation that we struggle with, the sense of guilt that we struggle with, right? So I want you to learn the grace of God. I want you to breathe the grace of God. It is the air that the believer breathes. It's the living quarters of God's great grace that a believer lives in. We breathe grace. We have nothing of our own but the grace of God. And once you figure that out, you live a life less self-condemning. You live a life more sinfully victorious in terms of victory over sin. You live a life more passionate. You live a life more peaceful. And with all that put together, you'll obviously be more healthy. And then you'll be more available for ministry to impact the lives of others. How can you pull somebody else up when you are down? How can you love somebody when you don't feel loved? How can you uh, put somebody back together when you are broken? So the grace of God does all these things. And when you understand and you are, a, you, are a, you are a patient of, you are a recipient of the grace of God. And the grace of God has fixed you, molded you, soldered you back together, sorted you, restored you. You are a powerful force for greater grace. So that is why I, as a pastor, want you to go through that. And for those of you who are joining us online and listening to this sermon uh, at a time later than this, it's not something you attempt to understand. It's something you receive and it is a gift to you. So it, you enjoy it by your birthright, spiritual birthright. So for uh, saving grace, then you've got enabling grace, gifts of grace, and seasoned with grace. Saving grace, enabled grace, enabling grace, gifts of grace, and seasoned with grace. Today we're in number two, enabled uh, enabling grace, when grace enables you. There are three types of grace or three uh, areas where grace uh, affords itself. One is prevenient grace, which is God's active presence in, God, in people's lives before they even come to know Jesus. That means at the point of their salvation, prior to all the years from the time they were born to the time that they get saved or they get born again, God has been actively at work in leading them through situations to people, etc., etc. We call that previent grace, okay? Then we got justifying grace in which he actually makes you perfect. He makes you a saint from out of a sinner. And then sanctifying grace where he allows you to live a life that's pleasing to Christ and like Christ and gives you victory over sin and victory over yourself as you live your life today. So the theme uh, in, through these days, our theme today is enabling grace. That will fall under sanctifying grace. Got it? Out of the three, that will fall under sanctifying grace. Listen carefully. The indwelling spirit of God. Where is the Holy Spirit? He's in us. He's living in us. The indwelling spirit of God gives the believer the strength, the endurance, the courage, the resilience, the hope, the peace to face life's tests, life's trials, and life's temptations. God is not a meanie. God is not a mean God. God is not a bully. If you look at life circumstances, it would look like God is a bully because he sent you into a world that's full of tests, trials, and temptations. He sends you into a world of temptations and says, don't do that. He sends you into a world of trials and says, you failed. He sends you a world of tests and he's constantly comparing you. That would be how you would view God if all you saw was the circumstances. But God gives you that pathway. He sends you into that world, but he sends you with grace. Now, if you are foolish enough to go into a life trying to live a Christian life without the grace of God and a proper understanding of the grace of God and a full download for the day of the grace of God, then that's on you. 
That's your call. You made that decision. Saying, I'll do it on my own. Willpower, positive thinking, and all that nonsense. So the indwelling spirit of God gives the believer strength on a daily basis for every single trial, test, and temptation. So the grace of God in its second meaning, the first meaning was saving grace. In its second meaning, it is the carrying power. It's the carrying power or the keeping power of the Holy Spirit as we continue to live our lives out. So God is carrying you through this life. He's carrying you through your problems and through your trials and tears. You are a child in his arms. You might be a husband on the ground. You might be an employee in, the, in a company. You might be a a businessman out in the marketplace, but in God's arms, you are his child. And you always carry your child. You take care of your child. You listen for the cry of your child. God is carrying you. And the grace of God is what carries you through whatever you're going through in life. Whatever you're, what, whatever you're going through in life. You lost a parent? Grace is available to get through that. You lost two loved ones? Grace is available to get through that. You lost an opportunity. You lost a dream. There is enough grace to carry you through that. There is no good reason and never a situation where you didn't have to do it or you did have to do it and you didn't have a choice. There is always enough grace. So this grace we're talking about is not grace to cover sin, but grace enabling, empowering, a power from within to be able to withstand or to finish the race. So this grace enables us to say no to sin if you're taking notes. This, this grace enables us to say no to sin. Not just cover sin, but say no to further sin. That strength that has to come from somewhere to say no. Not positive thinking. Surely not willpower. Talk about lust. Talk about temptation. Talk about uh, uh, all the sins that are around us, that are thrown at us, that are presented to us in, in full color. Where does the strength from, come from to say no to that? Where does the strength come from to stand against the, the peer pressure and, the, and, and the, the weak moments? Oh, don't leave, it to, don't leave it to positive thinking. Don't leave it to willpower. Because Satan will hit you when, you, uh, when you're tired. When you're tired and worn out. Willpower, chodo, you don't even have the power to sit, to stand. He knows when to get to you. He knows your weakest moments in the week, in the day. He knows how easily you tire out, get irritated, get sidelined, get distracted, get put off. He knows it. And he'll meet you at that point and he'll present you with a reason to fail. This grace enabling enables us to say no to sin. This grace enabling enables us to stay the course. When you think you want to give up, it'll help you stay the course. When you've had enough, it'll help you finish the race. When you can't go on, it'll meet you at the end with fresh power. It'll fuel you mid-air to complete the course. This enabling grace enables us to keep the faith. When you want to give up on your trust in God, when you want to give up on trusting God's promises, when faith doesn't make sense anymore, when you'd rather just give in and give up. This faith, this grace is sanity in the face of insanity. Sanity in the face of insanity. When you're about to lose your mind and you're mentally ill from the stress and from the anxiety and from the history and from the memories and from the senses, this grace will carry you through. It'll, be, it'll help you become purer in a decaying surrounding. Even if you're living in a world where everything around you is decaying, this grace will make you new. This grace will cover you. 
It'll help you to not get bitter. It'll, oh my, if you could know that. If you, bitterness and mental health go together. Resentment, mental health go together. If you could figure out how the grace of God keeps you from becoming bitter towards the trials, the tests, and the temptations in life. We don't really get bitter towards temptations because we know where that, where that is appealing. But we get pretty bitter with trials and with tests. Not so much the first trial or the first test. First trial, first test, we're strong, we're ready to take it on. But when we get tired, when we get worn out, when it gets too long, when the valley's too long, when it's too dark for too long, when you've been sick for too long, when you're beginning to wear out, wean out, that's when this grace kicks in. It helps you to not get bitter toward life, toward people, toward the very hand that feeds you. It helps you to not have to place the blame on somebody for every area of your life. You're not happy, somebody's to blame. You don't have enough money, somebody is to blame. Your day not going well, somebody is to blame. That incessant need to put your life in somebody else's books, to put your life in somebody else's chart sheets, to say they are responsible, their figures, their failure, their feelings are responsible for my life. Not get bitter, not blame, and not break faith with people. Not break faith with people. A relationship gets too hard, you cut it off. A friendship gets too complicated, you cut it off. Today is the day and age where you want to just start again, get new friends, get new people. They're shallower than the previous one, but you just want to switch friends, switch wives, switch partners, switch business, colleagues. The world will tell you, give up, give up on people. And at the end of it, you're just all alone. The Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, it is his work and his ministry to dispense, to dispense this grace to you. You know dispenser? To dispense it to you, just in enough portion for your need for that moment. The Holy Spirit dispenses the grace in proportion to our need and our dependence on him. Both go together. How much grace do you need? How much grace do you want? How much grace do you need? How much grace do you want? In measure of your dependence and in measure of your need, the Holy Spirit gives you exactly what you need to get through whatever trial, test, or temptation you are going through. You never need to be defeated. You can always be victorious. The question is, do you really want to be? Do you really want to be? So grace su supplied in this life, it, it affords us a testimony to God's presence in our lives. It affords us a testimony to God's presence in our life. So you go through a difficult period in your life, an awful experience in your life, a terrible, painful breakup in your life. You go through a valley experience in your life. Grace carries you through. And when it does, at the end of it, what do you have? A testimony. A testimony. So your, your life is a series of testimonies. Because testimony comes from the tests, from the trials, and from the temptations where God has given you grace and victory. And what is a community of grace? A community of grace is a bunch of people with testimonies of the grace of God. So when people walk through this door and they come and meet you, they're meeting more people who have gone through what they've gone through, experienced the grace of God and have a testimony about the grace of God. You need to learn to testify. You need to find the courage to testify. You need a few lines every now and then. Tell of what and how God has carried you through. You live in a world that wants you to be self-made. Live in a world where everybody wants to put out your resume and say, this is what I have accomplished. This is who I am. This is how I got through troubles. This is how I nailed it. 
But the church is a group of people where people brag about the grace of God. They brag about the grace of God saying, this is how I got through. This is what God did for me. This is, I wouldn't be today, here today. I know that makes you feel look useless. It makes you feel uh, defeated. It makes you feel weak in the eyes of the world. But quit valuing the eyes of the world. Quit it. It doesn't matter. They'll be dead in a few years. But the angels are listening. God is listening. There's a future where you'll be a trophy of grace forever and ever. Start now by becoming a testimony of the grace of God. Learn to testify. Have, a, have, a, have the courage to testify about not just your failures, but in your, in your fallenness, how God picked you up. In your victories, how God gave you victory. In your, in your long periods of hardships, how God sustained you. Talk about it. Tell people about it. Don't be shy. Don't be introvert on these matters. Yesterday, or day before yesterday on Telegram, I asked a bunch of people. I asked this, there's 135 people on my channel. I said, does anybody want to have two lines to say about what God has? Not even one. Not even one. And that doesn't mean you don't want to. It means that we are not rehearsing. We're not constantly rehearsing how God has got us through. Because if you forget how God has got you through the last test, you won't have faith in what God is taking you through in the next test. You'll forget what God has done for you. So we have, a, we have a testimony, hopefully wooing others to the living God. Enabling grace. Enabling grace through trials. Through trials. Look at God's word, please. So, to keep me from becoming conceited. Here's a story that Paul is telling you from his heart. This is what he is telling you was a deep problem he had. Paul the apostle, right? And he's telling you this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what God did to keep me from becoming proud, conceited, arrogant. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Now Paul had, been, had received such incredible revelation from God that it could make him proud about the fact that he's closer to God than anybody else. That he's better than everybody else. That he has a in with God than everybody else. Because when God favors and blesses, it makes us proud rather than make us humble. So in order to balance that off, he even knew why God had done it. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness, the incredible measure of the revelation, a thorn was given me. Nobody knows what that thorn is to this day. Bible colleges are still trying to figure it out. A thorn was given to me in the flesh. That means it was a physical problem. It was a physiological problem. A messenger of Satan, something that Satan could use against you, to harass me. My goodness, God, you would do that to me? Well, he did it to Paul. And everybody thinks Paul's one of his favorites. He did it to Paul. So God will give you great revelation. God will give you great ministry. At the same time, he'll give you great problems. Why? Because problems keep you close to the cross. Problems keep you downloading the grace of God. And when you download the grace of God, you are humble. You know you didn't do it on your own. And you are definitely going to do it with God. You're definitely going to get through. So he says, the thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. So to keep me, underline to keep me from becoming conceited. Twice over, he says, so that I don't become proud, so that I don't become proud. Three times I pleaded, underline pleaded. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. 
So you don't keep on praying and praying and praying. There's a time when you quit praying. You pray once, you pray twice, you pray three times. This is not the biblical standard, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He pleaded three times. You played four times for, 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 all, for all I care. But quit. Once you see God is not answering, then here's the answer. Here it is. Watch. Read. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. That it should leave me. Okay? So what did God do? But he said. Three times I pleaded. Once he said. What did he say? Everybody together. Your favorite verse. Nice and loud. Clearly. My grace is sufficient for you. Stop there. Paul, you. Not for the whole church, for the whole world. My grace is sufficient for you. I've given a thorn in the flesh so that you don't become proud. But I'm going to give you grace to handle that thorn. I'm going to give you grace to handle that difficult person I've given you in your life. I'm going to give you grace to handle that two-year difficult work posting. I'm going to give you grace to handle those few months of no, not having a job or not having money enough or not having recognition or those few years of not being promoted while you think you should, you right, have the right to be promoted. You'll, I'll give you grace so that as you stay humble and you receive that grace, you will have a testimony at the end when you are truly, correctly, accurately exalted. If anybody should be answered, it should be Paul. And God's answer to Paul was, I pleaded, he said. I pleaded three times, he said. My grace is sufficient for you. How does God give that grace? It's for you. How does he give that grace? Underline. For my power. For my power. Not your power. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now let me explain that. It's a measuring issue here. It's a measuring issue. So where, or let me put it this way. It's a measuring issue. Where you fall short, where you fall short, this is the standard, this is the need, this is the strength required. Where you fall short, my grace will perfect, will finish, will complete that. I will pour my grace so that you will always be enough and you will never fall short. Now, the assumption here is not, hey, I'll complete it. But you try as much as possible because God helps those who help themselves. Ephesians chapter 8 verse 2. The goal is not for you to say, I'll try harder so that lesser of God's grace is needed. Trust is seen as saying, I will... I will give less of my own power. I will rely less on myself, less on my ego, less on my abilities. I will trust more in God and draw more from him. When it's available anyway, why should I try so hard on my own? We're not talking about your career and your studies, please. We're not talking about your favorite studies and your high marks and flying colors and all. We're talking about life. We're talking about temptation, trials and tribulations. We're talking about dealing with difficult people, dealing with long valley experiences. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made complete in your 
weakness. So the more you claim weakness, the more God gives strength. The more you claim weakness, the more God gives strength. The closer you cling to God, the more God is in your life. The more you depend on God, the more you see him in your life. The more you close your eyes to the world and your own strength and the fallacies of human abilities, the more you are able to draw the strength of God. The greater the testimony. The greater the testimony. My grace is sufficient. The meaning of sufficient is that it has everything within it to satisfy you. The nutrients, the wholesomeness, the strength, the power, the self-extracting wisdom. It has everything within it to give you all that it needs. Grace is not just a sin covering, but grace is the strength to get past and get over sin. Get past and get over weaknesses in your physiology, in your physiology. Get past and get through your failures in your career or in the disappointments in your life. He put a thorn in my flesh, but then he said to me, he put a thorn in my flesh, but then he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. I will claim less and less and less of this and I'll let more of the grace of God fill me so that in the areas that God wants to help me, let it be all God. Let it be all God. Let him get the glory. Let him shine. Let him shine in my life so that the power of Christ may rest on me. If only you'll go home with those words. So that the power of, therefore I will boast all the more gladly with my weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Just look at those words. Just look and meditate on those words. For the sake of Christ, I am content, weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, whatever. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, that doesn't make any sense. In English, that makes no sense. So when I'm short, then I'm tall. <laughs> when I'm heavy, then I'm light. It doesn't make any sense. But instinctively, spiritually, you know what God is talking about. You know what Paul is saying. He says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. He's saying the less of me, the more of there is of God. And the, hum the more humble I become, the less of me I give to the world, the more of God I give to the world. And that's good for the people in my life. James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, underline, for you know, underline, for you know, not feel, not guess, not hope. For you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith. So here's where you recognize why tests come in your life. And what's a test? A test is a quality testing, not a fail-pass testing. For you know that the test of your faith produces steadfastness. So he says, if you lack this wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously, generously, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. So that is uh, enabling grace through trials. When you go through trials, what about enabling grace through endurance, for endurance? What about when, you're, when your loved one is sick for many years? What about when you're living with a sickness or you're living with a weakness or a, or, a, or a dysfunction or a disability for many, many years? What about when you don't get a break in your career for many, many months and years? 
What do you do with the long valley experiences where you're ashamed to, tell, to speak the name of Jesus with any sense of pride or to talk about answered prayer when there is a gaping hole in your life of failure or defeat? How do you get through those long valley experiences? How do you make it? Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 and 13. The most abused verse in the Bible. I know. I love the way Paul uses that word. I know. It's the word gnosko from the Greek which talks about I know by knowledge, by experience. It's not I have information. I know by knowledge and experience. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I have been through enough grace of God so that I know what it's like to not have anything. I know what it's like to have everything. To be powerless and to be powerful. To be poor and to be rich. To be, to be known and to be unknown. To be popular and to be unpopular. I know the two extremes. I'm familiar and I'm comfortable with anything that comes my way. If I'm broke, I'll be happy. If I'm filled with uh, resources, I'll be happy. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Circumstances will never tell me how happy I'm supposed to be anymore. I know how to deal with it. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I'm happy no matter what. Why? Because no matter what is thrown at me, I can do all things. Do what? To know how to abound and to know how to be abased. To know how to be broke and to know how to handle a lot of money. To know how to handle obscurity and to know how to handle infamy. To know how to be famous, to know how to, be, to handle affluence and to have, uh, handle influence. So no matter which position or the circumstances God throws at me, I know how to handle. Where do I get that knowledge from, that wisdom from, that grace from? I get it from God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's the word strength again, the word power, same word. That word, God's strength, God's strength. I can tell you comfortably, next year I complete 30 years in ministry, I can tell you comfortably that most believers are living without the power of God. They're living by their own strength. They're living by their own willpower. They're, they're, they're imbibing the followings and the teachings of, the, of Jesus Christ, the guru. But they have not laid down in the at the foot of the cross and died with Christ and are living the resurrected by the power of Christ. Many believers, many believers are namesake and they do not have the power of God flowing through their veins. Which is why there is so much self-condemnation, so much disappointment, so many ups and downs, so many in church, out of church, so many highs and lows and they, their faith takes a beating. How bad God feels about that, you have no idea. I know how to be low and I know how to abound. This knowledge comes from the fact that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context of this verse. The power of God available to you. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. An invitation to you. Come. Come for more strength. Come draw near. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest. <clears throat> Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Since we have a high priest, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He has had a body 
He's had rejection. He's had abandonment. He's lost his loved ones. He's seen death. He's cried at his friend's death. He's seen pain. He's lost friends. He's lost influence. He's been popular and he's been obscure. He's been loved and he's been hated. He's seen it all and then he's gone to the worst criminal offense of the Roman age punishment that he could experience. He has been through it all. Since we have a high priest who's been dragged through the pain of human experience, let us with confidence come close, draw near to the throne of grace. Watch carefully as I read. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? Together? That together. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God loves you. God loves you. God is not the one condemning. God is not the one segregating you or turning his back on you or a cold shoulder to you. Never, ever, ever is God thinking bad thoughts towards you. Never is God planning to cut off from you. Never have you far, gone far enough and gone cold enough that he cannot revive this relationship with you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. So let us come with confidence, drawing near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in help a time I need. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, you then my child, be strengthened by the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Live by his strength, not by your own. Later in that same book in chapter 4, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This grace is a faith-keeping faith. For you to finish strong, you need the grace of God. For you to, for you to finish, see the finish line, run through the ribbon, you need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. Heaven will reward you, not for how much you tried, but for how much you trusted. And how do you show how much you trust? Weakness? Lord, let it be more of you. Greater weakness. Lord, let it be more of you. The less of me, the greater of you. More Christ, more trust. The more Christ in me, the more trust I have in me. Where do you get this from? What time of day do you get this grace from? When do you download the stuff? It's in your daily meditation. When you go alone with God... And you take this, the Bible, the scriptures. Take a physical Bible because you need to touch it. You need to open it. It needs to be something that's sacred in your life other than your opinion. And you need to open it and you need to switch off your phone. And you need to be quiet. And you need to meet him at a time when nobody's going to disturb you. And you're going to read through that. And you're going to wait until he speaks. And you're going to wait to hear his heart. And then you feel his presence and you sense his, his speaking to you. And that's how you know God is present. You don't feel it physiologically. Don't ever look for the presence of God physiologically. Listen for the voice of God. And God is a spirit, so he'll speak to your spirit. So don't listen to an audible voice. You'll hear the doorbell. Listen for his spirit to speak to your spirit. And when you begin to get familiar with that voice, that's how you know that God is present. When it goes dark, everything goes, and you're all alone in the room, 
you, you speak out, you call out for a loved one or for a family member. And the moment you know that somebody else is in the room, you feel comforted in a dark room where the electricity is gone. Just imagine with me. But how do you know that other person is in the room, in the dark, with you? It's the voice of God that's going to carry you through this world. Not miracles and signs and wonders. Not amazing believers around you. Not great times of music worship. Not a great church, big church, huge church, helpful church. It's the voice of God on a daily basis speaking to you through this dark existence that you will know that God's presence is with you. And brothers and sisters, when you know that God is with you and God is for you and you heard him tell you himself, you are unmatched, you are unstoppable, you are powerful. Daily meditation. If you have stopped doing it, start it tomorrow. Start today. If you used to do it and you stopped doing it, if you've never done it, start today. Download the YouVersion app. Make a commitment. It'll remind you every day. Start reading through the text. Don't read too much. Don't get too much information. Read a little bit and stop and finish that conversation with God. Meet Him daily. Engage. Ask. Cry. Complain. Receive. Recharge. Restore. Remember the goodness of God. For every break, for every heartbreak, for every mental breakdown, for every spiritual breakthrough, right there in his presence, download, download, download. Brothers, don't depend upon me. I'm useless, I'm sinful, and tomorrow I'll be gone. Don't depend on church. Don't depend on, 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 on uh, you know, social media and, and preachers and podcasts. Don't depend on that. You've got your Bible and you can read. You've got the Holy Spirit and you've got God and you've got God gunning for you. Listen to him and hear from him privately. Hear from him privately. Have your own relationship with Jesus. He's made it possible through the Holy Spirit. How are we living on God's grace? Not just the prevenient grace of God, not just the general grace of God to all people. Oh, God's grace, God's grace. Not just that. But his covenant grace to the redeemed. The grace that is yours by spiritual birthright. How are you living in that grace? Breathing that grace and being strengthened by that grace. I love this song. It's a very old song. I'm going to play just a little bit for you. It says, he giveth more grace when burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplied, multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. Fear not that thy need should exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm, the everlasting availing. The Father both thee and thy Lord will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth 
again. Our store of endurance, our strength has failed ere the day is half done. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is all. has no measure his power has no boundary Father I want to thank you so much for the grace that has made available to us for each of us Lord according to our need for each one according to our need for each day for each problem for each person for each relationship you give and give and give you never run out you're not looking for anything from us except that we should draw from you and depend on you. You're not looking for anything from us. You have done everything that's needed. Lord, why would we not live to enjoy the strength and the power and the joy that God has made available to us? For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father God, for new beginnings this morning, for new habits that want to be formed, for decisions that people have made today, for thoughts of sorting oneself out you know what's going on in the many precious hearts gathered here today and listening to me online you know what is going on and you're working in their hearts i trust you oh god let them live in the climate of your grace in the atmosphere of your grace and learn to breathe in and live off that left to ourselves we'll condemn ourselves and we'll condemn others but in your grace oh god we rise and we rejoice and we are able to worship. Release your grace afresh for those who need it this morning. For he giveth and he giveth and he giveth again. 